Welcome to the first episode of Redemption, a podcast series to save deposit return systems. We want to kick off this podcast series by offering an overview of a guide to modern deposit return systems, 10 essential practices, which you can find at bottlebillreimagined.org. We will answer the questions, why is a guide like this needed in the first place? Who needs to read it and why? Most importantly, how, when, and where can this resource be used to guide policymakers, advocates, and industry to find common ground and build better and more effective bottle bills and deposit return systems? I think back to when some colleagues asked me to create a DRS for dummies. But what we hope is that this guide is much more of a DRS for doers. So what better way to start than to talk to three real doers in the world of deposit return systems? Today, I'm joined by Kirsty Pesci, the executive director of Just Zero, a nonprofit organization working to advance zero waste. Kirsty, you know better than perhaps anyone that it's much easier said than done when it comes to transforming principles and practices into actionable policies for better bottle bills. It can be pretty daunting. So let's just dive right in. From your perspective as the executive director of Just Zero, why is a guide to modern deposit return systems needed in the first place? You'd think people involved drafting and advocating better bottle bills, don't they already know what they need to know? Well, that's a great question. First off, Elizabeth, thank you so much for having me today. Very excited about this podcast. I know that I'm going to be listening to it, and I'm sure that a lot of people will learn a lot from hearing about deposit return systems from the experts at Reloop and their friends. As far as why we need principles and why we need to parse through this, what we see in on the ground when you're trying to pass a bill at the state or federal level, and I'm sure this is true in other countries as well, what we see is a proposal for a system put together in some kind of a, a law or an ordinance or regulations, and then we see special interests trying to chip away at it. And so it's very important to understand which components are necessary for an effective, workable system that's going to be good for residents of that state or country. We're trying to put together good policy that will save cities, towns, counties, provinces money. We're trying to make sure that we clean up litter, and we're trying to make sure that we are moving towards a refill system, not only recycling, but refill system for beverage containers. And there are certain components and attributes of a system that make that a reality and a possibility. Uh, if they're missing, then th we're never going to reach that North Star. So the important piece, you know, when you're looking at the 10 essential practices for a modern deposit return system that Reloop has put out, that's what you should be thinking about. What needs to be in the system I'm trying to build and advocate for? What's needed versus what's not? Zooming out a bit, how do you see different audiences using this guide, mm -hmm. whether it's a producer or advocates like yourself? Well, I think one thing to remember is that producers are not a monolith, right? So it's very easy for me to tag producers and for us to think that they all have the same interests. That's not the case. So one thing that's important is for producers who perhaps are not working at the you know, international level and aren't thinking about these issues that way to understand why a glass refill system is best for the environment, why a deposit return system can make that a possibility, and also different ways that they can approach packaging the beverages. So that's one thing. Another thing that I think is really important when you're looking at these different special interests 
There are folks right now who are profiting off of the disposal and curbside recycling systems that we have in the United States. So they are real players. And so you have to think about, you know, where are they in this and how are they going to push back? Likewise, the deposit return system usually and should include return to retail or any other return location. Those folks, whoever is going to be accepting the bottles and cans, those are also players. So all of those folks already have skin in the game if you're making them responsible for the collection, the sorting, or the movement of the bottles and cans through a system of recycling or refill. Then you have folks who want to see change who are not making money off the system as it is. Now you have legislators or city councilors in large cities who care about the system and understand that right now cities, towns, counties, and states are paying way too much for the system we have now. And then behind those legislators, you have grassroots folks. You have residents who care about the fact that there's a tremendous amount of litter on our streets. You have residents who care about climate change, so they want to see an effective bottle bill system put in place or want to see refill put in place because they care about climate. And then you have folks who care about toxicity, so they want the plastic out of the system. They don't want to be drinking out of plastic bottles anymore. They want our systems for producing beverage containers to be reusable because they know that that's going to take less energy um, and less person hours and, and water and other resources. So all these folks who care about these issues need to know what's in a good system versus what's in a crappy system, to be perfectly honest. And looking at the guide that Reloop did helps folks crystallize some of that. Some of that is just good government stuff, Elizabeth. And I think that's really interesting. You know, when I read through this the first time, the first thing I thought to myself is, wow, some of these components should be in any system, right? Like some of the pieces you put together and explained very well, like transparency and enforcement should be in anything, any law, any regulation that we're trying to pass at a city, state, or federal level. Some of it's just good government, honestly. And I want to pick up on that because Reloop has sort of painstakingly developed the guide in a way to both acknowledge the diversity of perspectives out there, right? You hinted at haulers and material recovery facilities and other incumbent players who have skin in the game and, and maybe see deposit return systems as a threat. Um, you talked about retailers and the viewpoint from retailers where they don't see themselves as a natural player in EPR, right? Whereas, you know, in other countries, there is almost an innate understanding. If you sell it, you got to take it back or you got to be responsible right. for it post-use. As I said, the guide really was aiming to acknowledge all these different opinions and and sort of marshal all this information and like you said, even just sort of basic governance milestones to kind of come to what we hope would be, if not a universal perspective, at least kind of a, a, a basic minimum. But I'm curious to hear, do you think folks will see that, right? Do you think it achieves that or is it patronizing to say sort of government should do enforcement and hold all the different actors accountable, I guess what I'm getting at is, you know, there are major challenges in in passing bottle bills. And like you, we're hard at work trying to break those stalemates. And, and I'm guessing I'm curious to hear if you think the guide can be one of those things to kind of push us towards more common ground. 
I hope so. I think first off, it's never, ever patronizing to call out principles that allow something to work well versus those principles were missing. You would just not have any success. I think that anybody who is familiar with government, either agency, legislative pieces, any anything, anybody who's familiar and has been in this sausage making process, right? Any of those people understand that enforcement and transparent flow of information are crucial. And so I think that that's something that almost anytime you talk about any environmental reg, you should be bringing that up. So I don't think reporting and transparency and enforcement um, ever should be left by the wayside. And and I don't think it's patronizing. Another example, there are about 5,000 stores across Massachusetts that don't take back bottles and cans as part of the existing bottle bill. And that's through lack of enforcement and lack of funding to the Department of Environmental Protection here. They need more folks to do the work. And so once you understand that as a legislator or as a resident, then suddenly you want to see a stronger bill, right, that gives them that that power and gives them the funding to do that. So all of those pieces, that's just good government. And I don't think it's patronizing. I think it's necessary. Yeah, no, I like that. I mean, part of the reason we call deposit return systems recycling with results is to kind of shine a light on the fact that you know we spent millions of dollars into curbside recycling programs and they they just they don't work they don't work like they were meant to they don't deliver the kind of performance in terms of achieving a circular economy that we were all hoping for so it's you know again it's not meant to cast dispersions but just to say look you know we have an alternative that that can achieve this if it's if it's designed properly you know, I guess part of the reason why we developed this resource is that legislative interest in developing and implementing bottle bills across U.S. states and at the federal level, that just hasn't happened until very recently. And so it feels like a key opportunity. And yet the fact that we haven't had a new bottle bill state come online in almost 20 years tells you how difficult it is So I'm curious to hear from you. What do you see? I mean, we don't have a crystal ball, but looking ahead in the coming legislative session and and maybe a couple of years ahead, where do you see the biggest challenges and where do you see the biggest breakthroughs originating? Well, that's that's a really good point, Elizabeth. We definitely are seeing, if you will, a, a bottle bill renaissance. I think there were a few reasons for that. And I think the reasons for that also inform the opportunities that we see and where I can see things going in the future. One of the reasons I think that we're seeing renewed interest in bottle bills is that people are finally understanding how toxic and dangerous using plastic is and also producing and disposing of plastic is and recycling plastic, honestly. So as a result of that, I think that folks want to see an alternative, a real alternative to beverages bottled in plastic. So that's really one piece of it. The another piece of it is that when China prohibited the United States from shipping their mixed plastic and mixed paper to China to be, quote, recycled, though we know that it was probably burned and buried there. When that happened, the waste companies turned around and charged cities and towns and counties across the country more money for their curbside recycling and more money for their trash disposal. As a result, cities and towns that were making a little bit of money on their curbside recycling programs, now it's costing them a lot more than it was. It's not a 
really simple analysis, but the trend has been increased per ton cost for curbside recycling. And a significant portion of that, if you don't have a bottle bill in your state, 40% of that are beverage containers. Because we've seen an increase in plastic for a lot of these beverage containers too, we're also seeing litter that does not go away. So we see tiny nip bottles across the country, those tiny liquor bottles in plastic. We see all kinds of beverage containers littering our roadsides, our riversides, our beaches, and people are sick of it. So I think those three things have combined to make folks say, wow, this is expensive, it doesn't work well, and we're making a trash heap out of my favorite beach. This is not cool. And so I think that means that the solutions we're seeing come forward are also slightly different than they were in the past. Folks understand that we need to include, for instance, knit bottles. Folks understand that we need to be looking at this and having better standards so that we know where these containers are being recycled and if they're being recycled. And finally, I'm seeing a lot more interest over the last 12 months in reuse and refill than I ever was before because people want to get away from plastic and that's the best way to do it when you're talking about beverage containers. Another real doer when it comes to modernizing deposit return systems is Michelle Socolo, state representative in the Massachusetts legislature. Michelle is also one of the co-founders of the bipartisan, bicameral, zero-waste caucus, which works to reduce and eliminate solid waste in Massachusetts and has been an ardent advocate for bottle bill modernization, including the bill that she is a key sponsor of. So, Michelle, let me just kick us off straight away and get to the guide. Why, from your perspective as an elected representative in Massachusetts, is a guide to modern deposit return systems necessary and vital for legislators? Thank you, Elizabeth. I'm so pleased to be here. This guide is extremely exciting and is going to be an amazing tool for all of us who care about this issue. It's very helpful to have third-party validators, experts who can present the data in an impartial way and present the facts and figures for pieces that we can quote and cite to demonstrate the relevancy of the work we're doing and the impact it's going to have. We as legislators tend to be generalists and we don't know the data off the tops of our head. And having the guide will really inform better policy decision as bills move through the legislative process and our staff dig in deep to make sure that the fine tuning of the bill is done in a way that really supports this type of systems we want. And what would you say from your experience are some of the key challenges that you face when advocating for bottle bill reform in Massachusetts? Well, there's many challenges with the bottle bill. They can be very unpopular in, in particular in states that don't have them yet. But in Massachusetts, we've had a bottle bill for decades, but it hasn't been modernized. And not too long ago, there was an effort to bring an update to the, of the bottle bill to the ballot, and it failed, really, because I think in some ways we didn't have the data and information we needed to make the case adequately to the public. And there are competing bills that try to do different things and have been influenced in some cases by industry and in other cases, perhaps bills that were well-intentioned, but, but not as um, innovative. And the guide makes sure that we can include the best practices from the expertise and knowledge of Reloop and organizations like Reloop that are looking at deposit return systems internationally and around the country, you're able to distill for us the best practices that we wouldn't necessarily know of. So this is very, very helpful. 
to make sure that we get the, the particulars of the, the legislation correct. When I've talked to fellow policymakers and, and legislators in Massachusetts, they've needed to have a lot of this explained to them because there are lobbyists out there, there are advocates, and sometimes the advocates are on one extreme and they tend to vilify the producers. And then you have the producers on the other extreme and they tend to oversimplify or denigrate the concept of regulation. And it's really the policymaker's role to listen to both sides and strike that delicate balance so that we achieve the outcomes we want and that everybody wins. And, and that's my goal is to sort of bring everybody together to build systems that work for everyone. Because it doesn't do us any good if, if the system is so overly complex that everybody's costs go up and we don't achieve the recycling rates or the refill rates that we want. That doesn't that doesn't do anyone any good. So it takes a little bit longer to get this more sort of sophisticated level policy to advance because you need to do more education. And I think that's one of the reasons why uh, the Reloop guide is so helpful because I can turn to the chairs of committees that are hearing these bills and say, well, don't just believe me, read this. Here it is spelled out and their staffers can read it and it can be explained to them. And after they hear it, we can only absorb so much information in a, at a time. And we're all very busy as legislators dealing with an incredibly wide range of issues. So I can plant some seeds. I can try to explain it. But maybe the person I'm speaking to goes away and, and remembers three of the 10 things I told them. Maybe they only re remember one. Maybe they do better and they get five or six. But at the end of the day, if I can then hand them a guide that explains all 10 then they can go back to it when they're ready to learn it, because it is a progression of understanding the complexity of a system that takes time for it to all sink in. And having written guides, I think, are just absolutely amazing. I'm still learning from the Reloop guide, even though I, I deal with this stuff frequently. The guide is helping me every time I look at it to remember a new talking point, to um, memorize an, a new piece of data. It's very useful. I was able to speak about the guide with Lynn Hoffman, Vice President of Eureka Recycling, a nonprofit zero waste organization and social enterprise recycler based in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Lynn also serves as the National Coordinator for AMBER, the Alliance of Mission-Based Recyclers. I'm hoping you can help our listeners understand from your perspective as part of a recycling enterprise in the urban center of the Twin Cities, your role as National Coordinator for AMBER, and as an expert in zero-waste recycling systems and policies, particularly as they relate to climate and plastic pollution, why does the field need a guide to modern deposit return systems with a focus on these 10 essential practices? You know, um, recycling systems need improvements on many fronts as we're scaling. So everything from safety to transparency, traceability, environmental, human health impacts, material captures, circularity. DRS offers a pathway to many of these improvements, but it's a big systemic change and implementing it on top of the mature recycling systems that we already have, it'll have big impacts for better or worse. And so, you know, how we do it matters. We have to be really thoughtful about how we design and implement. And I think it can be really overwhelming to a lot of stakeholders, especially those that are really invested and embedded in the systems that we have. And so, you know, it can be pretty overwhelming. So a guide that really breaks down the essential components, the potential impacts, really gets into the weeds about not just any DRS is good DRS. Like we really have to be 
clear about how, how to design this for the most benefit for community and the environment. But I think this guide kind of thoughtfully goes through, you know, where are the potential impacts and what are the strategies and the design that we can put into place to really get in front of some of those potential disruptions. You know, but I think what this does is take some of that fear out for for people to really start pulling it apart and talking about the different potential pathways. Not everyone involved in legislative discussions on DRS Mm -hmm. is on board with the system in general, or even with a lot of the individual practices that we go through in the guide. Mm -hmm. So who do you think needs to read and use and follow a resource like this? And if we're ever going to get sort of modern deposit return systems in the U.S.? I think every, you know, all the stakeholders across the supply chain, I think, you know, from retailers to recyclers and reclaimers aren't going to need to understand, um, you know, but I think probably prioritizing folks that are most embedded and invested in the systems as they exist now and as they operate now, I think that they have the most to lose. I think we see that in the way that they engage in kind of across the country in conversations and um, policy discussions. So I think really not only just educating those folks, but also really listening, you know, what is it going to take? And and this guy does a great job of drilling down, but I think there's even another layer, right, in terms of particular states, particular kind of ecosystems, regional systems, like how would this really work? What, what, how does the money flow? How much money? You know, there, there's a, there's another layer of detail for those stakeholders. And I think, you know, giving this as kind of a roadmap to figure out where to drill down is really helpful and really important. Thanks to all our listeners who are so committed to learning about modern deposit return systems and the environmental and economic benefits they bring to our communities. In this very first episode of Redemption, we heard from Just Zero Executive Director Kirsty Pecci, Massachusetts Representative Michelle Socolo, and Eureka Recycling's Lynn Hoffman. They helped us see why advocates, policymakers, and industry need a comprehensive guide to understand which components are necessary for an effective, workable DRS. We heard about the importance of an independent third party like Reloop North America who can present the facts and figures in an impartial way to inform better policy decision-making as bottle bills move through the legislative process. And how important it is to be really thoughtful about the way we design and implement modern deposit return systems, how that change can be overwhelming to stakeholders, making a guide like this, which can break things down and make it clear that DRS can bring multiple positive impacts to a broad group of stakeholders. We hope you'll join us for our second episode next week when we'll get into the first essential practice for a modern DRS, meaningful targets and penalties. In the meantime, don't forget to visit bottlebillreimagined.org to download the guide or subscribe to our newsletter, Bottle Bill Common Ground. You can also leave a review on Redemption wherever you listen to your podcasts. And remember, working together from a common ground of knowledge about these 10 essential practices for a modern deposit return system, we can move good bottle bills forward.